You have tuned into Surviving Fundamentalism, a podcast with Richie X, where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, you most likely mm, probably will have a problem with this shit here. But it's okay. It's okay. Grab your little wine for the stomach's sake. Tap in. Tune in. Let's have a good time. A wise man once said, if you're angry... It's because you're living in the past. And if you're fearful, it's because you're living in the future. But when you're at peace, that's when you know that you're living in the present. And that is where life starts to make sense. If you wanna be somebody, if you wanna go somewhere, you better wake up and pay attention. Yes, I was giving a little tender, a little tender sister act, a little, a little teenage vocal, you know. If you wanna be somebody, if you wanna go somewhere, you better wake up and. Pay attention. Get a girl's a little breathy teenage vocal. I had a very interesting week, you all. I had some uh, work done on my teeth. Um, I'll be having some more done this coming week, hopefully. And so... My mouth is a little funny, <sighs> but I'm here. I'm here. Wanted to come on in and talk to the people on tonight. We're glad to be in the number. Anybody glad to be in the number? We thank him on today. Because he's been better to me than I've been to myself. Holy damn. Yeah. My friend's mom used to <laughs> do that in church. Holy yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like everybody who has experienced a black church at some point in their life has heard that sound. Um, I used to do that too when I was uh, frequenting the church house. I still got a glory to God in me though. You know, every once in a while. Put your hands together and give the Lord some praise on tonight. We thank him for allowing us to gather in this ecclesiastical body. And we're glad to be in the number. Tell your neighbor this may be my last time. I don't know. But I'm going to praise him while I'm here. Oh, shake your neighbor's hand and shake it like you're going to shake it off. And say, today, I stand in praise. Ah, yeah. Under the shake it. 
Uh, I'm I don't know. I'm very silly today. Um, <laughs> uh, my mouth feels funny. Uh, so glad to be in your listening ears. I am, if you don't already know, I am the host of Surviving Fundamentalism, the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you're most likely gonna have a problem with this shit. My name is Richie X, um, and we're here. Very, 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 very interesting week in, um, you know, like I said, I had the dental surgery. I started Adderall this week, you know, which was something exciting, I guess. Um, it's been an interesting journey to, to kind of go through my week on meds and and just kind of seeing how they make me feel and they just kind of make me feel like there's more hours in a day right there's more time to get things done and if I'm not careful and I take them later I was going to take them to record but I'm recording this kind of late and I was like um (laughs) maybe if I take my Adderall the beginning of this episode would not sound like it does, but I'm here. Um, shout out to everybody. I had fun. Um, but yeah, you know, last week we talked about neurodivergence and religion and just sort of how everything got flipped upside down. Uh, and, um, and how just, yeah, how things have changed with, a diagnosis in this way and how it changes (laughs) how it changes everything right like everything changes everything nothing is the same everything changes a lot of, and I was thinking about this today, a lot of the ways in which I define myself, right? A lot of the things that I thought I just, that just were a part of me, that that became, you know, just kind of a part of my self-acceptance or, you know, even, or either just was something quirky about me that I just kind of cringed at, but, I, you know, all of those things, but also... Um, so much concerning religion is like, ah, (laughs) so much concerning my walk, um, with God, walk with me, Lord, walk with me, walk with me, Lord, walk with me while I'm on my tedious journey you walk with me Lord walk with me ah yeah uh sorry if that gets on your nerves but I'm just being myself and I just you know this is the place where I can come and really be myself um (laughs) uh but yeah everything changes Everything changes. Everything 
that I viewed my every the lens that I view myself through that I viewed myself through the 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 shackles of shame and self hatred like are gone. I'm not defined by any of that shit. It's a lot of things happen because I was awkward. A lot of things happen because I'm socially awkward. Um I have a friend that listens to this podcast. We ended up being able to be friends again. But our earlier interaction in life, we had a falling out because I was awkward as fuck. <laughs> I was awkward as fuck. I, 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 and, and now as I'm learning more about, um, autism level one, AKA Asperger's syndrome, um, is like, Oh, <laughs> oh, wow. Like, it's just, everything is clearer. You know, and it shifts things because I started this podcast, right? One of the things that Deepak Chopra says is that the greatest thing that I know is that I know nothing. And like, I started this podcast with such a conviction and I wanted to help people um, deconstruct and decolonize their minds from Christianity, from toxic Christianity um, and from fundamentalist Christian religion. And that was my goal. And I, so I, was, I was impassioned because of how much I was literally torturing myself um, to 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 align with to align with the uh, literalist view of scripture and the way that I viewed the scripture literally, and, and, and so. I was like, I can't be alone in this. And although this show has kind of taken a little bit of a pivot, right? Because of my neurodivergence and understanding and recognizing that and, and accepting one diagnosis and, 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 and receiving another one, right? Where, you know, after years of knowing that something was off, knowing from a small child, I'm not like these people. And the more that I look, the more that I see so much of my personality. And I think I've gotten to really to know myself, right? And I'm a lot less performative in my expression which means I am, I am often, I'm maskless more times in my life than I am masked. I'm, I'm trying to stop masking 
so much in my life and and what that's unveiling right is that a lot of who I thought I was 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 performative certain laughs that I do are not natural laughs certain like things that I do in a space weren't I've done in a space probably weren't things that I would naturally do. They're probably behaviors that I watched people have, particularly when it comes to speech, you know, and how I used to watch preachers all day and all night. And then when I got to college and it became about academia, you know, where academia became my platform and it was no longer the pulpit, I began to watch people who I perceived to be eloquent and master their way of existing. Shit, I may be doing it now. (laughs) Um, You know, for one, Toni Morrison talks like this, and she's very, when she's talking about Pecola breed love in the bluest eye, She's having a conversation. She's very soft-spoken. She's very in the moment. She wants you to know and hear what she's saying, but she doesn't have to be overly authoritative. And and she gets her point across. And Alice Walker is a little bit more assertive because when you walk past the color purple and you don't acknowledge it, I think it pisses God off. You know, and Alice Walker is very much feminist. I know who I am. I have been fighting the patriarchy for as long as I can remember. But I'm also a bad bitch and I accept myself as so. I'm a bad mamma jamma. I'm that girl. And um, and she holds herself in that way. Um, and, and, you know, Baldwin kind of does the... The kind of the, the mid-Atlantic accent mixed with the stutter. <laughs> and although I'm not talking about anything political right now, but in my uh, trade or any time I wanted to be perceived as smart, because I did not believe that I was naturally smart. I don't think. And so the masks were about pretending being it was about being perceived as smart and so i watch people who are naturally perceived as smart and i mimic them and so when you have somebody like james baldwin uh talk and you have somebody you know when james baldwin is like and 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 the people will never know the people will never know the people will never know what their, uh, you know, and there's these 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 rise, this rise and fall in his voice, you know, the people will never know their own power. If the white man never understands that he's white, right? Uh, and so you have all these like impassioned people like that, and and so one of the things that I've been dealing with is is the full acceptance, right, of who I am. What does that look like? Forgiving myself. (laughs) Forgiving others. I... 
lost a lot of friends over the years because of my awkwardness, my lack of understanding of boundaries, the way my brain just couldn't process things and I was undiagnosed so so nobody knew and and nobody was picking up on it. But people are perceiving this experience of me as, as you're off. And something is off. And and then it's like the worst nightmare, right? The worst fear of, of most people is that you're creepy. And so they want to get away from the creepiness. Um, but... You know, if they know you a little bit better, it's not necessarily that you're creepy. They just feel uncomfortable, right? And they recognize that and kind of pull away. And sometimes it wasn't even about feeling uncomfortable, right? Sometimes it was just, you know, I uh, when I was younger, I tended to make these demands of people in my life. Um, essentially, you know, people with Asperger's syndrome tends, tend to... Just sort of make these demands um, for how their friends are supposed to do friendship with them, and 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 when they don't, like for example, these very controlling demands, like uh, you're my friend, <laughs> you know, and when they don't, the person kind of just decides they don't want to be friends with them anymore. Um, you know, or raises as hell. I've I've done all of it. Um, a lot of my reactions were based on my you know mental disability, and so I don't really carry any shame because I have answers. I know why I can't carrying shame at thirty five years old about relationships that happened five, ten, twenty years ago. And breakdowns that happened, like I can't get that back, you know. And I can't. I don't even have people's numbers. I can't even call people and be like, "Hey, but listen." Um, and people are like, "What the fuck are you calling me for?" <laughs> like, I just wanted to tell you, I'm, you know, I'm autistic, and that's why I was weird. Um, it it just doesn't work that way. And so this sort of self acceptance. You know, and, and, and where does that begin and end? Forgiveness. Where does forgiveness and acceptance begin? I think it begins with self. I think I have to forgive myself. There's the serenity prayer that I grew up saying whenever I needed strength, which is like, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. The wisdom to know the difference. I can only change the things that I have power over changing. If I run into a bitch in the shop, right, that I had a breakdown in our relationship with, I can say, hey, you know, I found out that I'm autistic. I think that might have played a lot, a big part in our breakdown. But one of the things I found is that I would be carrying 
these feelings of shame and guilt and sadness or frustration around the breakdown and people don't recall, don't remember what happened. They kind of just see it as you grew apart and they're not even like holding any shame towards you. Like most people have moved on with their lives. And, you know, those who haven't will will let you know. But when I tell you, like, 99% of the time, people are like, I don't even know what we fought about. And, like, so, so one thing I've learned is that just being present in the moment and trusting people's genuine reactions towards me when they see me is okay. Like, I don't have to replay all of the things that happen or the breakdown or need to have a conversation. Sometimes it's it's good to be present, to be in my body in that moment and allow that moment to be what it is. A moment, a shared moment of love and presence. And and I'm it's good to see you and it's good to know your well. There's a lot of people that are no longer in the land of the living. And a lot of young people have gone on. A lot of young people have gone on and are still going on. Um, they're out of here. And um That in itself is enough to be fully present in a moment where you run into somebody that you haven't seen 10, 5, 6, 7, 8 years and be present in that moment. It's good to see you. To, to give a hug, to smile, to, to engage them. Because why can't that just be love? A lot of times we live in our, sometimes it's trauma, right? The trauma of whatever pain we felt. Um, sometimes it's the trauma of the actual experience. And a lot of times people really did fuck you over. <laughs> Two things can be true. Um, but one of the things I found, like I said, is a lot of times... People don't even remember why y'all had a breakdown. When they see you genuinely, oftentimes they're genuinely happy to see you. They're genuinely happy that you're alive and you're doing all right. They're not thinking about 12 years ago we had this breakdown and this and this and this. and this. They're not thinking about that. They don't even know why y'all ain't friends no more. They're not living in them. And um, yeah, they're not living in it. And so great thing about it is that you don't have to either. 
But it takes a long time, you know, to get to this place. Because before I knew what I know now, I had a lot of shit on my chest. I had a lot of things that I was like, oh, fuck that bitch. Because <laughs> motherfuckers really do be cold. Like, motherfuckers really do you wrong. Like, they do you dirty. And I'm not saying that they don't. <laughs> Regardless of your mental, your disabilities, your trauma, the shit you've been through in life, a lot of times motherfuckers really do do you wrong. And they don't have the same concepts of, of loyalty that you have. No, and even with understanding my disability in the way that I see certain things uh, as being incredibly black, and white and and the the ways in which I hold people to certain standards um sometimes for them it might feel unrealistic but you know regardless of that like sometimes motherfuckers really be doing shit they really be having you out here fucked up and you know so it's it's not that it's wrong i guess but what I'm saying is that for me, kind of having this information allows me to give myself the grace that I need as well as give other people the grace. Because I don't know what fucked up thing they've been through that they ain't been diagnosed with yet. They don't know yet. I don't know how they're processing information that they that's coming into their brains. I, I don't, and, and so... Oftentimes, it's just like, you don't know those things. So, being able, being in the space to see my own self fully and to have answers allows me to see other people too. And I find myself navigating these different things with this new information, these different moments different relationships with this new information. And it's just causing me to uh, not only be aware, but make, make, make better decisions, smarter decisions. Um, I'm being honest. I'm being transparent. Um, I'm sharing the diagnosis with people who are close to me so that I'm processing it with people who are close to me. And, um, it's odd. Cause it's like when you, when you spend so many years, like knowing something is off and then you finally get the diagnosis, you're like, what the, uh, 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 oh shit. Like <laughs> it's like weird. Cause it's like you, now you, now you have it. Now, you know, and it's like, where do we go from here? We, 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 we strive to enhance the quality of our lives based off of what we know. And, and I don't know if I'm, I thought about this the other day. Is, is it going to, is this information going to make me reapproach Christianity differently? Or reapproach it at all? Is what I know now going to give me the space to maybe reapproach it? 
<laughs> I'll answer that after we come back from commercial break. One of my favorite examples for biblical literalism is there is a text that says you must take all you have and give it to the poor. I don't know anyone who says, I believe that to be God's word and therefore I will close my bank accounts, I will give all my money away and I will give it to the poor. What does the Bible say? People want to know. To me, the most monstrous gulf in the claim to literally following the Bible lies in the fact that most of the literalists in America are also capitalists. You know, they're making money. Being a biblical literalist, you don't take interest. You couldn't possibly have investments because usury is condemned in the Bible. Most people haven't read the Bible. Most Christians haven't read the Bible. Uh, So do they really know what it says or what the true intent is? Probably not. So how do they know? How do they base what their Bible beliefs are, what someone else tells them? How powerful of a weapon or a tool is that? We all think that the gospel is join a church building, and, and that's deception, you know? The real gospel is repent, which means let go of all that crap that's killing you. Life was supposed to be a, a pleasurable experience, not this, uh, this torment, you know. Sisters, how y'all feel? Brothers, y'all all right? And we're back, and we're back, and we're back. Um, yeah, so I said I would answer when we came back if if this whole journey is going to cause me to look at Christianity again. And the answer is no. The answer is I've looked at it. And I've looked at it. And I have rejected Christian fundamentalism and I have deconstructed that faith system. I've decolonized my mind and so the idea of going back into that, even with this new discovery, even with knowing what I know now is um, imbecilic, uh, idiotic, uh, and incredibly dangerous. But not really, because I'll never be blind again. I will never be blind again. Now, as a, you know, Unitarian Universalist, as a pro-black person who understands, you know, and can read scripture in context, who has done all this research, can I actively still participate in the black church? Yes. Can I participate fully in that experience with who I am now and what I know now? Absolutely. Um, But, you know, I don't know whether I would. Sometimes I miss singing in the choir. Sometimes I miss 
you know, singing in church and I miss the atmosphere and I miss community. But one of the things that was consistent in my life for me was that that community, the community itself was not always a community for me. It was not always a safe space for me. Safe from the streets, yes, but safe from humiliation, embarrassment, um, overt meanness, harassment, spiritual bullying, spiritual prostitution, the prostitution of my gifts and talents, all of that. And yeah, some people could say it was an exchange, right? Like I was exchanging community and and bringing my talents to this space and that's what it was. You know, and and I could I could say that. You know, I've had I've had great moments in church and I've had great church families. Um but it's very difficult for me to exist in um churches in the ways that they require which as blindness is a requirement the ability to be able to blind follow somebody is a requirement the lack of questioning and challenging things is a requirement and as i stated last week religion is not logical so especially fundamentalist religion right especially biblical literalism it's not logical it's goofy it don't add up and no i don't want to try to have the faith to believe that it happened because what we can do is create experiences based off of contextual interpretations of scripture Rather than you needing to believe that these miracles actually happened in order for your faith to remain whole and intact. I don't believe that. And I don't need to believe that, right? To still be a believer. Um, and so no, I can't go back. I won't go back, can't go back to the way it used to be. You know, um, it's, it's like, I, 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 I am not going back there to punish myself at all. complete punishment and I've done it and I've done it and I've gone back and I've said well let me find the church that's for me and God send me where you want me to go and I'm in there and everybody around me is blind all the music is blind it don't make sense and ain't nobody asking no questions about how the fact songs don't make no sense you got a God that you literally are begging 
to come and rain fire down on you. Like, it doesn't make sense. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't control. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we, we <laughs> I want more of you, God. I remember, no place I'd rather be. Like, I remember us singing them songs. I remember leading them songs. I remember, like, us really, I remember praying that, uh, that for God to consume me. For our God is a consuming fire. He's a He's a consuming fire. We want the Lord to consume us on tonight. And I'm like, <laughs> and right now when I'm in there, it's like I get the atmospheric moment, right, of corporate worship. But why can't we do that with practicality and contextual understanding of the text and um you can still have faith and it can still be practical look at jews look at jewish people look at people who are in judaism who are not extremists who you know read the torah in in context it's their book right <laughs> it's their book it's their book. They read the, the Torah in context, and it's it's a it's a beautiful experience for them, and the Passover experience is very beautiful for them, and all the traditions that go into Judaism is beautiful for them because they understand it, because it's theirs. And I've even talked about some of that here, uh, some of the, the the Passover traditions as it pertain to. Uh, biblical literalism and fundamentalism kind of just kind of hijacking that in order to make their branch of, of, of this religion seem connected to the original religion. Much more connected than it actually is, right? Uh, because it's gotten so far away from you know, Judaism, right? Like, um, and, um, and a lot of that context, right? Cause, cause Christians have just run rampant with their new Testament and their, <laughs> and their Jesus. And, um, they, they, they have taken off. <laughs> they have run on. And, um, and a lot for a lot of them, they need it to be true. If not one miracle in that book was literal, my faith is not shaken because it's more conceivable that it's not literal. The fact that so many people need it to be literal in order for them to have any type of faith is odd to me. It's odd. And that could be very much the autism. Because <laughs> again, autism needs to make sense of things. 
And religion doesn't make sense. Particularly fundamentalism doesn't make sense. It would make more sense if they were, you know, reading and studying the, the scripture in its context based off of history and its connection to, to, to uh, uh, Judaism. You know, that would be a different type of dynamic, but they're not doing that. They're not doing that. They're not looking at that. They're not, they don't want that. They don't want to be in its context because the moment you start bringing up things to challenge their belief systems and ideas and the way they think about Jesus and the way they think about God and the way that they think about this book, the moment you start to challenge them, they begin to be rattled. Because at the end of the day, it is really for them about the, the, the libidinal cathexis that they have created within that system. That system is their life. A lot of their lives and their marriages and their identities hinge on to that thing. And without it, they don't have nothing including their faith. I think which is why so many of them go so fucking nuts when they stop believing or when their brain finally opens. They lose it. A lot of times because everything that they have sort of hinges on that. And I've been there and you know what I came back to in the core of my being, I think I, I, I'm in a different space now, but I'm going to take you back to what I came to in my post agnostic, agnostic atheist journey, right? Like senior year in college, I am incredibly angry, full of church hurt, full of anger towards the cult leader for the cult that I was in. I was angry, I was upset, I was I was angry that his children were gay and that they couldn't be themselves. I was angry that I hated myself for so long for being queer and pansexual and I was just angry and bitter and I was over it. And I was like, I'm never going to church again, fuck y'all. And I started reading these books, you know, how a Pentecostal preacher became atheist by Dan Barker, Godless, by Dan Barker. And I started reading um, the Atheist Manifesto, and I picked up different books because I wanted to, I was over it. I was literally over it. And I went through my most of my senior year that way. And I remember I went to this church, and I had this uh, spiritual experience. I talked about it on earlier episodes where the pastor was talking about people who had been hurt and people had been hurt by the institution of, of the church and, and, and how they could have wings again. You know, if you're, eagle, you're, you're still an eagle, but your wing is broken and you need to be healed. And I mean, the pastor was fine and I bought into it, <laughs> but I had this spiritual experience at that church. It was called finishers church in, uh, North Jersey in Bergen County, I believe. Um, and I remember having that experience and being like, 
whoa. So the experience that I'd had with the divine up until that point, I realized that my experience had always been personal and that my experience was separate from the institution. That I had had a experience. I had had, I don't want to keep saying experience, right? To, to kind of like spook people or anything, but I had had, had, I'd always prayed. I'd always kind of had my own journey outside of the institution. Like, yeah, I participated in church and yeah, I led ministries and yeah, I was a part of the whole system. But my relationship with what I believe to be the God of my understanding was that it was mine. And no institution, no matter how trash it was, could take that from me. And I liken it to nobody can take it from me. If I if I say I don't want it, I'm done with it, then that's that. But nobody can take that from me because that's mine. That's my experience. Now, however I feel now is 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 whatever I feel now. And and you know, that's whatever. But Back then, I was like, yo, like, this God, whatever it is, it felt like to me was, was, was bigger than I had made it to be. It reminded me of this song by um, Aisha Woods. Um... And, uh... It's called Big Enough. And she says, I don't want to box you in. You've been doing big things since the world began. Sometimes I just don't understand that you're big enough. You're big enough, yeah. Um, And uh, it was huge, man. And, and it makes me think, like, I don't have to box my experience up. It doesn't have to look like this. You know, because I grew up apostolic Pentecostal. I came up, you know, holiness Pentecostal. And, you know, I was apostolic, you know, and, 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 and there was it's line upon line. And, 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 and this is how your relationship should look. And this is how you, you should pray. And this is how you should do. And there's so much that's done for the outer to be seen. Right? There's so much... Um, that really is about, you know, we talked about masking last week, right? Really is about wearing this mask, right? Uh, 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 like pretending to be somebody to, to impress the people you go to church with. And, um, to fit into that system. And to neglect who you really are. But in this flip side of this experience, after I had was like, I don't even believe this shit no more. I'm over it. The thing that I felt come back to me was that little piece of my, my black ass spiritual experience that was mine. Because I always say that I, I met God on my bedroom floor. A lot of my spiritual experience to happen happen at home. 
And when I'm calling them spiritual experiences, it's not that they're necessarily super, super deep. But I used to, you know, talk to God at home. I used to create um, these intimate moments at home. So when I went to church, it was an extension of what I already was doing in my everyday life. And so it was in this moment where I am realizing, like, you know, what David says, if I make my bed in hell, he's there. If I fly to the othermost parts of the earth, he's there. That God is an ever-present help in a time of trouble. And, 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 and I can accept the spiritual experience of being black or being an, an African and having ancestors who knew how to pull on heaven. My Lord, my Lord Jesus, my Lord Jesus, Lord, we need you right now, Jesus. Oh, Father, we call on you, Lord, and we call on you now, Lord. Do it, do it, do it, do it, Jesus. Like, I, I, I understand how, in my black-ass essence, how that was the journey. That the rhythm and the soul and the beat and the feet is the journey of what got my people to freedom. Whether it be freedom in this life or the next. Because when they would say, when they, when they would say, there's a leak in this old building and my soul has got to move. My soul has got to move. My soul has got to move. There's a leak in this old building. And my soul has got to move. You know, or they'll say, I'm not long for here. You know, and, 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 and sing songs like, Still away. I haven't got long to stay here. Still away. Like, these were songs that were really about how we were able to leave our bodies. Our experience, our spiritual experience was about how we were able to transition out of our bodies and out of the pain that we existed in on this planet. Many times, we would go other places in our minds so that we couldn't feel the pain of being whipped. And I, that is a very uh, authentic experience for me. So it makes me think of when they say, I can feel it in my hands, feel it in my feet. I can feel it all over me. That, that, that I can feel it all over me thing is like, uh, that experience, and then nobody can't take that from me. Nobody can ever take that from me. It's ancestral. It's the thing that says you have the power to overcome anything. You have the power to overcome anything. And with this help, all things are possible. You stand on the shoulders of giants. In your mouth, there is power and life and spirit and people, ancestors have gone before you 
And they've paved the way for you to be free. And, and that, that experience is very, very natural for me. Very black. <laughs> so yes, I have a black ass spiritual experience. And, and, and that does, and can I go up in the church house? And, you know, and, 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 and with my black ass experience and, and participate in these black uh, services where everybody, everybody don't think like me. Everybody don't, don't, don't know what I know. They ain't been where I've been. They don't, we don't all agree. For them, it's literal. It's biblical literalism. It's fundamentalism. For me, everywhere I am, he is. He's in me, through me, all over me. I can feel it in my hand. You know, and, and, and what what is it? What is it? It's, it's love. It's divine energy. It's life. Can you move your hands? Can you move your feet? It's life. It's energy. You know, or, or when they say, the blood that gives me strength from day Today, it will never lose its power. Yeah, it will never, never lose its power. What blood? Those who came before me, those who died, who fought, bled, and died for me to have the education that I have. For me to have the things I have, for me to be able to excel and move through life, for me to know uh, who I am. Yeah. And it's all over this country that we built. So, yeah, my black ass experience is mine. <laughs> and ain't nobody going to take that from me. Nobody ain't going to take it from me. And it damn sure won't be fundamentalism. It won't be biblical literalism. Um... Because it don't have to be. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Surviving Fundamentalism, the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely going to have a problem with this shit. Uh, I'll see you soon. Tell a friend. Continue to tell a friend. We're talking over here. We're chit-chatting over here. Email me. Call me. Write a question. Text me. Thank you for listening.